You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Good afternoon. Oh, maybe good evening. Oh, maybe not. Maybe good morning. <laughs> maybe good midnight. It's sometime, somewhere, wherever you may be today. And I'm grateful for you being here with me and taking the time out of your 24 hours today to enjoy this Bible study with me. So far, we've been looking at the life of, well, I would say Christ, but we're really talking about the life of God and the physical manifestations that he's had from the very beginning uh, up until the time so far as he was born into this world, as we've seen God the Father give testimony of Jesus as he was incarnate. And so we've basically dealt with the angel of the Lord before Jesus was born. We've dealt now with um, his birth and his life to some extent. Uh, now we're going to deal with the incarnate Son of God at his crucifixion. And so... Uh, certainly, this has been quite the career, if you will, that um, the physical manifestation of God has had. And now, uh, keeping in mind that God is in physical form, but at the same time, every bit, 100% human, this crucifixion is going to be a terrible time for him. Uh, I say terrible time for him, yes, and yet Scripture talks about the joy that uh, it was for him to go through these things because he knew that he was now opening up the kingdom uh, to humanity. By his death, his burial, his resurrection, the physical form of him dying, being crucified, having to pay the sin of mankind in physical form, and then being buried and being risen from the dead, taking power over death, we have the freedom now to know that when we die, uh, we will be in the presence of God for those of us that have trusted Christ as our Savior. And so let's take a look at this uh, incarnate Son of God now as he nears the end of his physical life as we know it uh, here in the book of Mark in chapter 15. And we'll start in verse 24 and we'll be doing some jumping into the 30s and then into uh, verse 42 and on after that as well. But here in Mark 15 verse 24, we'll say 25, no 24. Mark 15, verse 24. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. So we know that there was a physical crucifixion. There's a nailing to the cross, nails going through a physical arm, going through physical feet, um, body being cut, body being beaten, body bleeding out, extreme pain, uh, duress, lack of breath, Lack of uh, muscle power, the brain going chaotic from all of the pain. It would have been a terrible time that it should have been you, it should have been me that we're going through those things because of our sinful nature, because of our choosing to sin against God. Uh, even if you were to say that you had the sin nature of Adam and yet you said that you had never never sinned in your whole life. I don't see how you could possibly think that. You know the things that you've done. You know that, 
There are things that you chose to do that certainly God would not be pleased with, much less mom and dad, brother and sister, friend, neighbor. Uh, some of those things that you've done, maybe you've stolen something, maybe you've injured somebody, maybe you've hurt someone with your words, um, your thought process. We know that that's where the beginning of murder starts, is in your heart. And so perhaps you've even killed somebody on purpose. A little bit different sometimes when you end up with the issues of manslaughter and things like that. But um, Christ took all of that upon his shoulders when he was beaten and then was crucified. And in verse 33, when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And so basically we're talking uh, at noon is where that all began and then ended at about three o'clock in the afternoon. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is a very unique time where we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit being separated from each other for the first time in all of eternity. And so in verse 37, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And that's where he died. And so here, because of the sinful nature of mankind, God the Father and God the Son were separated. Now think about what would happen to you if you were separated. Your soul was separated from your body. Well, your body may continue to live um, through the automotive, uh, automotive system, the automation system that we've got built in of breathing and heartbeat, but um, in essence, you'd be nothing. Um, certainly if your soul is separated from your body and your spirit then is separated from your body, your body ceases to exist and we know it dies. And this is exactly what happened here. God the Father separated himself from Jesus, his physical manifestation, his own physical manifestation, his God manifestation. And then Jesus cried out with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And so the spirit of God also departs from the physical manifestation of God. And so for the first time in all of eternity, they are separated. A terrible time. And yet, as hard as it is to say, a wonderful time as well. Wonderful for you and for me. Um, our salvation is not free. There is a great payment that was made. The incarnate Son of God then was buried in verse 42 and Mark 15, it says, And now when the even was come, in other words, at evening, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, uh, keep in mind that, um, that Jesus was the Lamb of God, and the Passover was going to occur. And the Lamb was prepared the day before the Passover. So this is the day before the Passover. Jesus' blood was shed the day before the Passover. And you'll recall in the Old Testament, they took the, the lamb, they sacrificed the lamb, they took the blood the day before God would pass over. And they put that blood on the doorposts, on the lintel of the door of their home. And so the blood had to be shed before the Passover. So this did not happen on the Passover. It happened the day before Passover that Christ was crucified. His blood was shed. His blood was let. And if you will put his blood 
on the doorpost of your soul, the doorpost of your spirit, the doorpost of your life, then when God came and passed through the land of Egypt, as we see in the Old Testament. By the way, it was not the death angel. Scripture is very clear that it was God that came through Egypt and took the life of all the firstborn of anybody and any animal that did not have that blood on their doorpost. Okay, God will likewise pass over you. If you have trusted Christ for his crucifixion, if you have trusted the blood of Jesus into your life and on the doorposts of your life, your body, your soul, your spirit, so to say, then you will be passed over. And so Christ was prepared and he was put in the grave. And Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came, keeping in mind he would have been Jewish of, of faith and yet recognized that Jesus was the Messiah of the Jewish people and just like um, Nicodemus also likewise as well, he went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus, asked for the body of Jesus to be taken down off the cross. And Pilate marveled in verse 44, uh, if he were already dead. In other words, he wondered, is Christ already dead so soon? And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. So is Christ dead yet or not? And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. So clearly the body of Jesus that had hung on the cross, had died, was recognized as being death. And if anybody understands death, it would have been the Roman soldier. And they would have known that Jesus had died. And so the body of Joseph was given then to, excuse me, the body of Jesus was given to Joseph of Arimathea. And so, he, excuse me, he brought fine linen. And took uh, him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. Uh, there is one very compelling site in uh, Jerusalem, uh, the garden tomb, that meets that criteria very, very clearly. It would have been a garden area. There would have been a cistern there for water. There was a wine press there as well. Uh, meeting all the criteria, there was a grave there, still a grave there, that was hewn out of the stone. Uh, only rich people would have been able to afford to do that as opposed to finding a cave and burying people in. And so they would have rolled the stone then uh, onto the door of the sepulcher. And then Jesus certainly would have been in the grave. And the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, as we deal with this incarnate Son of God, it says here that there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one God and Father. And so here we see the three-part triunity of God. Um, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Christ, excuse me. I, you know, I know this word grace. Uh, a lot of people think of it as God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Other people call it unmerited favor. Um, if you look in the book of Philippians in chapter 2, I think it's verse 13, it talks there about it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. For by grace are you saved through faith. 
grace being what God has given you. Anytime God exercises his grace, it's not a nicety. It's God exercising his power on your behalf. For by grace are you saved. If God did not act in power on your behalf, you would have remained an enemy of his. For by grace are you saved. God uses his power then to free you from the bondage of this world for a moment to make the choice through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith that um, you can have that salvation. And so we want to keep that in mind, but unto every one of us is given grace. In other words, God momentarily gives you the power to choose against this world, to no longer be his enemy, but to accept what Christ did on the cross. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, wherein, or wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And so here we understand then that prior to the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, there would have been a boatload, if you will, of people who would have been in the grave. Many of those people were believers in whatever method of salvation God had provided through the Old Testament, which would have included the sacrifices, which would have included all the way back to Cain and Abel, where they know that uh, Cain only brought the fruit of, of the garden as a sacrifice, where Abel brought an animal sacrifice. So the shedding of blood was necessary. So from all the way back there, all the way through all of history, for those that um, had acknowledged up until the time of Jesus that, that there was a coming payment for their sin, that these lamb sacrifices were only temporary, Christ was that Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The sacrifice is no longer necessary. We don't need to sacrifice a lamb anymore because God provided the ultimate lamb. And, um, and so here now, all of those people that were in the grave that had not yet ascended into heaven because God had, uh, Christ had not yet been crucified, now that he's crucified, he goes, he sets them free, and they're brought into heaven. Now, those that never trusted Christ, never brought those sacrifices, as we see in the, in the Old Testament, uh, had never given their heart to the Lord, because we do see Gentiles that were saved along the way. Okay, For those people that had never given their life to the Lord, as the Lord would have exacted from them, well, they remain in the grave even to this day. And they will not come out of the grave until the very end of the millennial reign. But at this point in time, then Christ descends and now he leads these captives free into heaven. So now when we die and we're buried, our spirit immediately goes into the presence of God. Well, what about our judgment? That occurred 2,000 years ago when Christ died on the cross. That's our judgment for sin. However, then God will look at our deeds, our good deeds, to determine what will happen in the future regarding duties, responsibilities, things that we'll do in the millennial reign and our relationship with God in the future. Okay, so uh, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And so we see here that in Christ's life, we see he's the physical manifestation of God. Only God could descend into the lower parts. Only God could set them free, not an angel, not just a normal human being. 
Only God would have the blood that was capable of paying for the sin of mankind. Not just a few, but for all of mankind. Even for those that did not accept him, did not accept his death, burial, resurrection. Even for those people that have never and will never accept Christ as their Savior. His blood was sufficient even to set them free, and yet they chose not. And so as we move forward in time now, that Christ has ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father as we pass away. For those of us that have trusted Christ, we have a home in heaven waiting for us. Again, judgment having come in the past already for our sin, and yet we will also then, if you keep in mind what Scripture says, uh, at a certain point in time that there are books that are opened and there's a book that's open. The books that are open are the books of deeds. The book that's opened is, uh, is your name written in the book of life. And so if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then certainly you have eternity in heaven. And then the question will be in the books of deeds, how many deeds do you have in there that were sin? Well, hopefully, few. But if you're a believer in Christ, that sin was paid for 2,000 years ago. So and as God looks through this, these books of deeds, and wherever there was sin, it's probably covered over with the blood of Jesus so that it's not seen, not recognized anymore by God. He places it as far as the east is from the west. He places it behind his shoulders to where he'll never see it again. Praise the Lord for uh, Jesus Christ in his incarnate form, God in his incarnate form, that he then took our penalty, paid the ultimate price, was crucified, was buried, but praise the, the Lord, he rose again. So we'll continue our discussion on this uh, next time as we look at the post-incarnate Son of God and uh, keeping in mind that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God bless you all. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 